here from Cosmic Voodoo and I have Joe with me from our development team. Hello. And we are going to be discussing the Shaper class today and talking about all of the design decisions that went into creating a really unique class. I'm really excited about um, talking with Joe more about this. Joe is more of an expert on this yeah, since um, he did all the design stuff. <laughs> the Shaper uh, is probably one of my favorite classes. Um, that I've played in Dungeons and Dragons, like, you know, over everything, uh, you know, the, the basic classes, other homebrew se- things that I've seen. Um, I, re- I really just, uh, I really like them. There's a lot of strategy, uh, behind it. And, um, uh, you know, based on which subclass you choose, I think, uh, there's, there's a shaper subclass that could appeal to everyone. All right. So let's dive right in then. So, Joe, why don't you start by telling us what exactly a shaper is? All right. Well, basically, um, a shaper is a person in our setting who has a natural bond with a djinn. Um, usually, uh, that person's behaviors or characteristics would decide what sort of djinn they have. Um, djinn, djinn come in, uh, I guess you could say, four elements, uh, which end up also being the four different subclasses for the shaper. Um, basically, uh, we have fire, earth, wind, and water. Um, and, uh, the fire, uh, djinn would usually pair with someone who would align with, like, chaotic or evil. Earth would align with lawful or neutral. Wind would be chaotic or neutral. And water would usually be, like, something around, uh, good or chaotic. That's really cool how the different elements line up with different personality traits. Yeah. And alignments. And they, um, uh, they also sort of each subclass, uh, has, um, like a different role to play. Uh, you know, fire, which is sort of the chaotic evil, um, really, uh, sticks to the standard, uh, you know, damage dealing class. Whereas, uh, water would stick more to, uh, like a supportive healer, uh, class. And earth would specialize in like defensive, um, you know, buffing your party members, uh, and wind would more be about like, uh, nimbly moving around the battlefield and finding ways to change the tides of battle. So we've been talking about Jin. Why don't you tell me exactly what Jin are? Okay. Um, Jin are basically, uh, elemental based spirits. Um, and like I said, it's fire, earth, wind, and water. Um, these spirits, though, can sh- uh, shapeshift to change their appearance. Uh, so, you know, they can be like a variety of different animals. Um, usually uh, each element will have like, a, um, you know, they could either be like an elemental uh, or like a spirit or an animal that would like be aligned with uh, whatever matching element uh, they decided to have. Um, and basically, um, a shaper and a djinn create like a lifelong bond with each other. Um, and it's like, it's like a natural bond, uh, as opposed to something that they really practice towards. Um, it's something you're more really born with. Um, and, uh, basically, um, the djinn though have been around in our setting for, uh, basically forever, um, as long as the world's been around. But 
they weren't on the same plane uh, as, um, you know, the rest of everyone else, you know, the devas or uh, even, you know, just regular people. Um, and it wasn't until um, the shattering took place um, that they were sort of pulled into our plane. Um, all of the chaos from the conflict between people and devas uh, sort of forced them to come to our plane in, in a way to try to naturally keep balance. And now um, people can bond with them uh, as shapers or um, sometimes other uh, other uh, cultures will treat them as like gods or not, not really gods in the sense that they're at the same tier as like devas, but they try to respect Jin and not really um, take advantage of them. You know, they're, they're like something to be respected. So they see them almost as demigods in a way then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Since shapers have these jinn that they base their play around, can you tell me more about a shaper's playstyle? Okay, well, the shaper uh, is basically a caster class. Um, you know, it's not too far from something like the wizard, sorcerer, or uh, even the cleric, depending on uh, which subclass uh, you decide to choose. You know, like uh, a water subclass would definitely be closer to cleric because they're both uh, supportive, where as like fire would be closer to like sorcerer um, because they're more uh, damage oriented. Um, but I, what I'd say uh, sets the shaper apart from all these other standard classes is that they don't use spell slots. Instead, we use something called stability points. Um, and stability points are pretty unique. Uh, they aren't they aren't like mana uh, in a traditional RPG, um, you know, because in a traditional RPG, you have your mana pool and you can spend the mana as you see fit. And then when you run out, you just can't use abilities anymore. And there's like no real consequences for it. Um, with your stability points, though, uh, the more points uh, you spend, the more you tap into the bond between you and your djinn, um, the like less uh, of a grip on reality your character has. Um, as you spend points uh, and fall uh, below certain thresholds, um, you gain short-term insanity effects, or you can even become corrupted where you start to, like, merge with your djinn. Um, instead of being, like, two separate entities that are bonded, you sort of start to um, converge into one. You know, if you're, like, a fire uh, subclass shaper and you start casting some really strong spells and you start losing your stability. Um, you could possibly, um, uh, you would have to roll on the corruption table. And, um, you know, based on, there are a lot of different corruptions. Sometimes they can be helpful in certain situations. Um, sometimes they could be a little bit more detrimental. Uh, like one of them is uh, if you're, uh, one of the fire corruptions is uh, your tongue catches fire and you can't speak when your tongue is on fire, uh, which means that you can't cast like verbal uh, somatic uh, spells. Um, you could still cast them through your gin, however, um, but while your mouth is on fire, you gain access to the dragonborn's uh, breathe fire ability. Um, and then so you uh, become a tiny dragonborn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, if you end up spending all of your stability points, uh, your character sort of enters this unconscious state. Um, they can, they're still standing. They can move around at half speed. Um, but instantly they start making death saving throws every round. And if they fail the, uh, saving throws, um, they end up, uh, turning into a, 
destructive elemental monster that the DM actually has control over. And uh, the, the the new monster that was created from the player character will uh, try its best to, you know, destroy the rest of the party. So you really have to be careful with stability points. Um, you got to make sure that, you know, you pace yourself as you spend them, not in the sense that you want to make sure you have, you know, abilities lined up for the rest of the day, but you want to you want to make sure that you don't end up uh, destroying your own character or maybe even the party in the long term. Um, so if you're not careful, you could end up being a ticking time bomb for your party. Yes, definitely. The people that don't have uh, too much self-control and they just want to sling spells all day, um, they're going to be a problem for their party if they uh, don't watch themselves. So a lot of the Shaper's playstyle is based around their bond with their djinn. What were mm-hmm. some of the challenges of creating this bond-based playstyle? Hmm. Well, uh, I'd say one of the biggest problems that we had was deciding how the djinn and player would interact with each other uh, while in combat. Um, you know, we had to decide, uh, you know, will the djinn have its own turn on the initiative order? Will they act on the same turn? Do they both get individual actions? Um, and we play tested with a bunch of different combinations. Ultimately, though, we decided that, um, it was cool if the player and their djinn could both move, uh, each turn in combat, but, um, they could only make one action, um, per, uh, round. Um, so an interesting, uh, technique that you could do is, um, you know, you could move your djinn into like a certain position that maybe you wouldn't want to send your player character. Um, and you can cast spells through your djinn. They'll still cost the stability points and you both share the same stability pool, but you can, uh, sort of safely cast spells from a distance, you know, by sending your djinn out. Of course, though, you got to be careful because if your djinn ends up getting killed, then, uh, you're going to have to spend time resummoning it. And uh, you definitely won't have that much time in the middle of combat. So you gotta gotta make sure that uh, you know you don't just uh, throw your gin out there like it's disposable. <laughs> because without your gin, you are very, very useless. Yeah, without your gin, uh, you are definitely useless. You're just uh, one step above a, a common villager at that point. <laughs> Unless you decide that you want to save your team by being a human meat shield (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um and i'd say one of the other biggest uh hurdles that we had when we were coming uh through and designing the shaper class was just the math there's there was a lot of uh different numbers that we had to tweak um you know how many stability points does each level get how much uh do spells cost um how much will they get back how much will shapers get back from uh meditating um and additionally, the Shaper has some features that allow them to spend additional stability points to either double cast spells or amplify healing or damage. And we had to balance those costs as well. And then we had to um, also decide, you know, what thresholds do we want? Short term insanity effects, uh, elemental corruptions. Um, there were a lot a lot of numbers to tweak. And uh, we've done a lot of playtesting, though. Um, and I think we're at a pretty good point now where everything feels very balanced. You can definitely pull off some powerful stuff, but, uh, you know, it comes at a cost and you'll, you'll feel it. So we've talked a lot about how you refine the shaper and like the things that went into creating the shaper, the math and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. But how did this class affect the development of the world and the lore itself? Well, this is kind of interesting because uh, first we created the world and uh, we had like this macro lore. You know, there was, uh, you know, this place and there was the shattering and now there's islands. And then we came up with the shapers and. Uh, then when it was time to create Aram, the island where shapers mainly hail from, um, you know, we decided to, uh, when I was making Aram, um, a lot of, uh, Aram's landmarks and such were based off of, uh, certain things from the shaper class. Um, and basically, uh, there's the shaper pilgrimage, um, where you'll uh, first go to a Ladafa, which is a city in uh, Aram. And, uh, you know, this is where you would see, like, the level one shaper, you know, the, the newborn uh, player character. Um, you know, they'll be learning uh, the basics of, like, shaper beliefs. Uh, you know, uh, shapers really believe in trying to find balance in the world through, like, peaceful means, um, you know, but they'll use force when necessary. Um and, uh, eventually, um, after they sort of master, like, the, the core shaper traditions, they go, um, to a different section of Aram, and based on which subclass you choose, you would go to a different area of Aram. Uh, like, fire shapers would go to the Durgozi Desert, uh, water shapers would go to the Prat River, um, wind shapers would go to, uh, mountaintops, uh, and earth shapers would go to the fur caves. Um, and after that, uh, you know, we decided, um, that, uh, when, uh, the shapers sort of completed their training, uh, you know, they could either stay in Aram and sort of try to better the country, or maybe they would be sent out and, uh, they would try to find their own ways to, uh, bring balance to the world. Um, of course, not in like a Thanos kind of way, you know, just, uh, <laughs> even the, even the fire shapers who are, can be chaotic and evil are u- usually more peaceful than that. <laughs> more like an, an avatar kind of way. Yes. Yes, exactly. All right. So now that we have a better idea of what the shaper is and, what their place is in the world. Are there any other things you want to add about the shaper or the design process for the shaper? Hmm. Um, well, I've, uh, I've played the shaper now, um, during one play test session. I mean, you know, it's obviously been multiple, multiple sessions, but it's, it's been one, uh, adventure path. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's probably, Actually, my favorite, uh, caster class so far, uh, anyone, uh, you can ask Colby specifically. He gets a little annoyed because I, I always go for casters. I love spells. <laughs> I love managing my abilities. Um, I remember our first D and D game. You played, uh, caster. <laughs> yes. I went straight for the wizard. And then my second, uh, campaign, I went straight for the sorcerer. <laughs> and this time I went straight for the shaper. And if I ever get the opportunity again in like another campaign, I probably would go for the shaper. Um, they're just a lot of fun in general. Uh, you get to role play with your djinn, um, you know, by, uh, talking to them and the DM gets to role play as them. Um, and then I just, I really like the extra depth and the stability points. The fact that, you know, you, 
you don't even get them all back at the end of a long rest. Uh, you get a certain portion back by meditating. Um, so it's not, you know, like most classes are sort of just like, okay, I'll save my strongest ability for the boss fight and then I'll long rest and everything will be okay. Uh, with the shaper, you know, you definitely want to save resources for the boss fight. But if you spend too many during that boss fight, you're going to be recovering for days. Um, and I, I really like that, that whole trying to balance between, you know, uh, using your powerful abilities and not destroying yourself uh, at the same time. So even if you choose the same shape or subclass for a second game, you're going to end up with a different experience because of the way that you have to manage your sanity points. Oh, definitely. Um, uh, our adventure path specifically um, takes place over the course of seven days. Um, and you have to be careful because... You know, when you have a campaign that only takes course over seven days, every long rest is like a big decision for your party. You know, when are you going to sit down and dedicate eight whole hours to, you know, essentially doing nothing, um, which means you really have to be careful, um, you know, because you, you have limited uh, long rests and these long rests aren't like a complete reset on your character. You know, you have to really really ration yourself throughout the whole way. Um, that being said, it's it's not something where uh, you're constantly in a state of, you know, being like, oh, well, I don't want to cast a single spell. You can definitely pull off some powerful stuff. All right, we've covered a lot of information on the Shaper today, and hopefully that gives players a bit more insight into what exactly shaper's play style and their lore is before the kickstarter that's coming up soon which i'm excited about oh yeah i'm i'm honestly super excited for it and of course if uh you know anyone ever has like any other questions about the shaper or our setting you know they can always uh contact us on facebook uh tweet to us you know anything like that uh we'll we'll be happy to respond and i mean during our next live stream um, which we don't have scheduled yet, but we're working on right now. Um, you can even pop in and ask questions. We'll That's be true. watching chat. Yeah, then you'll be able to really get some true interaction with us because, you know, we'll be right there. <laughs> Live in all of our beautiful glory. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, thank you guys for listening. Yes, thank like you very much. And follow us for more podcasts like this. And. Good luck rolling those 20s. Have yes. a great day, everyone. See Bye. you next time. Bye-bye.